Broadcasting to New York City, Los Angeles, Chicago, Sydney, London, and around the world, this is Trumpet Radio Live. Thanks for joining us here on Trumpet Radio Live on 101.3 KPCG, online at kpcg.fm and a live link at thetrumpet.com. Coming up on today's edition of Trumpet Radio Live, some headlines to look at. Also, see what's going on with the uh, Trumpet Daily Radio Show and thetrumpet.com. And we want to take a look at a very important uh, aspect of life, and that is work ethic. There's lots of jobs out there now, and there's not enough people to do them. A good work ethic can take you a long way. We'll take a look at that and more this edition of Trumpet Radio Live. This is Trumpet Radio Live. Thanks for joining us here on Trumpet Radio Live at 101.3 KPCG and online at kpcg.fm. We have a live link at thetrumpet.com. Also, if you'd like to follow us on Twitter, you can do that at kpcgfm. And if you'd like to email us, send those emails to comments at kpcg.fm. Appreciate getting those. Dwight Falk, Grant Turgeon here today. We almost had a we almost had a major faux pas. We <laughs> almost forgot. We moved a microphone. And then, uh, Grant, you were smart enough to catch the fact that your microphone was missing <laughs> and so that would have been awkward for me to pitch something to you and then i realized you weren't on a microphone it took me a while to even realize it i was just sitting here for a couple of minutes and i realized there wasn't a piece of metal <laughs> right in my face like there normally is it was actually really nice to sit over here without that thing we would have we would have had to share one which would have been a little weird but <laughs> but it's on a rotating arm and like you pointed out we could have swung it back and forth but then i would have probably gotten hit in the head with it and been knocked unconscious that'd be my fir- my first work related concussion <laughs> There's actually a new report out about concussions, and they—I didn't read it—but they said that uh, they don't think the that brain disease comes from the concussions as much as it does the repeated hits. Mm-hmm. So uh, who knows? There are always. I think so too. Yeah. Um, it it does seem like a lot of the guys who get it, uh, even even if you look at like some boxers and things like that, they it's the guys who got hit the most, and that just repeatedly, and not even necessarily the biggest hits either just the most amount of hits and that that's usually what causes the um the long-term damage yeah so they're learning more and more about that so there's a there's a horrific injury last night in a nba game i didn't watch i, I can't ever watch those but i didn't watch i don't want to look at it either so bulls rookie dunn i think is chris dunn goes up for a dunk and he landed weird but his face hit the i think he hit the floor and and he didn't they didn't say he didn't lose any teeth but they dislocated so that would, they must have just gotten moved around. He took, oh. a, he took a chunk out of the floor with his face. Oh wow! So that's a that's an ouch. Yeah, I didn't I didn't realize that part of it. Uh, that's just I don't know how that even happens when someone falls down. Normally, you try to get your hands in front of your face so you don't hit your head. But sometimes, if you especially those guys when they're jumping so high, they don't even really have control of how they land. Yeah, it hurts. It hurts. My uh back in my younger years, my more springy years, uh we were playing uh basketball on a uh asphalt court. So before the game we're we're jumping up there and trying to dunk it and grab the rim and stuff and 
I got hold of the rim and my <clears throat> momentum carried me and my legs swung out and I slipped. My grip slipped oh, and no. I fell and uh, hurt my shoulder pretty bad. It didn't break, but it was in a, I had to have it in a sling for a couple of weeks. Oof. And uh, there, there's no worse feeling, I think, than that, that stop when you fall and you hit something uh, like asphalt that doesn't give. And it hurt bad. And, uh, of course, everyone just laughed <laughs> at me. <laughs> so I was in pain of being laughed at. So uh, I tried to play through it, but I couldn't do it. I uh, got the ball to shoot a jump shot, and I think the ball went about two inches. Oh, no. Because when you have no – you have an injury, there's just yes. nothing you can do. So I feel for those guys. And uh, you got to be careful when you're out there playing, uh, whatever <clears throat> the sport might be. There's actually um, – related to that, there's actually uh, a war brewing on the NBA courts, if you've uh, noticed – from the New York Post, they say war brewing on NBA courts is getting explosive. The players are getting more and more upset with the officials and vice versa, and it's getting pretty uh, pretty bad on the courts. It might hurt their overall product. That's right. It is getting, uh, I guess that's the trend anyway, just like anti-authority, even just in society in general. And now it's going over into basketball now. But uh, just from watching some of the games, I can see a little bit of why the players might be frustrated just because... They might even just look the ref's way and get a technical foul called on them, which, I mean, I don't really think they should be complaining as much as they do. They, a lot of those guys whine a ton, but in years past, definitely they could they could talk for a while. They could follow the referee up the court, talking to him and whining the whole time, and they would never get a technical foul called. Now they say, like, one word, and the guy's already walking away and giving them a technical. So there has been a pretty clear change. Yeah, it doesn't make for a fun game to watch when you've got, on one hand, like you said, players complaining after every infraction, and then the officials now kind of getting upset it's just uh it's not fun it slows the game down they say on monday 21 technical fouls and five ejections uh were issued across an 11 game slate that was mlk day <laughs> so nba likes to f- have a lot of matinee games and have a big day with that and they they end up having their a pretty bad day speaking after the thunder beat the kings uh despite westbrook's premature exit carmelo anthony voiced his utmost disapproval with the current state of officiating saying i'm done with them <clears throat> well you can't be because they officiate your game he said i'm done with the refs no disrespect but i'm done with those guys so I, it's always funny when somebody says no disrespect but then they say something disrespectful <laughs> so but anyway he said uh the game has changed a lot since i came in 15 years ago the players and the officials had that dialogue whether it was good or whether it was bad there was always a point where they would let you get a little steam off and then would come to you and say, okay, that's enough. Let's move on. So he doesn't like the fact that they get technical so quickly. But it's not fun to watch. It's not good for the – not a good product. And uh, But, but in, again, it's sports, but I think it does show just the the anti-authority um, sentiment that's out there. And kind of in every walk of life these days where people are just looking to get into arguments all the time, and even, even in the sports world. That really wouldn't be a fun job at all to be a referee, and, and especially – before the game sometimes the players are are kind of nice to the officials but then when it comes to the game it's like every official is the ultimate enemy I mean even more so than the guys they're actually playing against I mean they just these guys feel like they can say whatever they want gesture gesture however they want to scream as much as they want to and it's just totally fine it's actually surprising to hear Carmelo Anthony even say anything because I hardly ever see him talking to the officials at all there's uh, one thing one main thing that really irritates me when i watch uh basketball on any level but it's usually uh, nba is when a guy shoots and he yells and one because he <laughs> thinks he got fouled 
And uh, a while ago, I was watching this uh, YouTube video, and it was showing some these NBA prospect high school kids, and they go to these camps, and they're trying to prepare them for a professional career. Not all of them will make it, but some will. And they had a, a specific drill where they would they would go in and make a layup through contact, and they were instructed instructed to yell and one. That was part of the drill. And I just thought, boy, that just irritates me. <laughs> just don't say it because I don't know. I get sick of it um, hearing them scream and one after every, even when they miss the shot or or there's no one near them. <laughs> I it just just yelling this, but uh, oh, that's anyway, incredibly stupid that they would actually teach. Mm-hmm. players to do that because yeah you hear that even just watching on tv you just hear them bellowing that like every time they get near the basket and they shoot it they're just like and one right. every single time it's like you you know that there's no possible way you get fouled every every single time you go to the basket and the referee's just not going to ever believe you i mean even the other night it was on mlk day the late night game Blake Griffin yelled a couple things that you could pretty clearly hear on TV, and he didn't get a technical, but he was saying the highest level of curse words you possibly could. So if if that's what they're allowed to get away with before they even get a technical, I don't know why guys are complaining. You actually have to be somewhat careful uh, watching some of those events because uh, if they don't censor it quick enough, you can hear some of that. If you're watching with your kids or whatever, there can be some. I was watching a little bit of a college game the other night, and the coach, uh, the, one of the players, turned the ball over, and you could read his lips very clearly. And I thought, wow, okay, <laughs> lots of pressure there at that higher level uh, basketball. But, you know, kids watch that stuff. and Not that it's good for anybody, but particularly the kids. So, anyway, uh, I think there, just the reason it's interesting, besides just because I'm a fan of the sport, is that um, it seems like everywhere we look there's just division. You know, even in the things that should be more of the fun, relaxing, uh, enjoyable uh, entertainments, is just divisive. You can kind of feel it in the air, I guess, and it's spreading into the NBA. Uh, President Trump came out and announced the 2017 Fake News Award winners. So we were not on the list. Yes. So that's very good. We didn't make it. What an honor. This is the one award <laughs> list I didn't want to be a part Don't of. Don't want to be in this one. So <laughs> it, it's uh, it's interesting. The, uh, just a few of them here. Um, he names them specifically, but I'll just leave that out. Just the, One of the stories was an individual claimed uh, on the day of President Trump's historic landslide victory that the economy would never recover. Um, <laughs> he was wrong on that one. Uh, somebody from another news network uh, sent the markets into a downward spiral with a false report, mm. and uh, <laughs> the person got demoted. Another news organization, and these are all main news organizations, uh, reported uh, that candid Donald Trump and his son, Donald uh, J. Trump Jr., had access to hacked documents from WikiLeaks. Turned out to not be correct. Another uh, magazine falsely reported that President Trump removed a bust of Martin Luther King Jr. from the Oval Office, which he did not do. It just goes, the list goes on and on and on, all false. Yeah, it's just a whole lot of smear tactics going on from the media. Victor Davis Hanson, that he's a really good columnist, and he pointed out that uh, President Trump is what he called President Obama. Like everything that he's doing is the opposite of what President Obama is doing. And that's actually a lot different from what other Republicans have been willing to do in the past. They've been so similar to Democrats in most every way where even if they voice their displeasure, even if even if they say that, oh, well, we want to get rid of Obamacare, then this then the Republicans get power and they don't even get rid of it, really. I mean, President Trump is actually following through with the promises that. Um, he knows that the Democrats are going to attack him for. That's why he's been slandered as much as he has 
just because he's he's not just talking about what he disagrees about with the Democrats, but he's going through with it, and they can't stand that. Another one is your favorite, uh, where there was an, they edited a video to make it appear that President Trump defiantly overfed fish during a visit, and they actually have the video where you can see that the Japanese prime minister actually dumped everything in first, and then President Trump followed him. And it's interesting because stories like that, they're 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 irrelevant. Like even if let's say he had threw too much fish food in there, what difference does it make? But they're looking for every little thing. And so anyway, it's interesting. Uh, I don't think we've ever seen anything like this where the president has specifically come out and attacked the media in that way. Uh, and we've never seen the media be so derogatory towards uh, a president. So, again, it's just more division. And uh, but the thing is, for I, it's probably kind of a waste of time for him to, to get into this, uh, you know, calling out the media in some ways. But. He has to do it to survive, I think. He has to stand up for himself. But also, he's he's right. I mean, they these media outlets did fabricate stories, and their response today to these awards is to say, well, the stories were based on false reports, and we quickly corrected them. So, But you still lied. You still told things that weren't true. So, you know, guilty as charged. Exactly, and those media outlets know for a fact that Every time they put something out that is false, tens tens of times more people are going to read that report than they do uh, the actual correction or retraction or whatever it might be. Uh, that's even witnessed on social media where the original story might get 100,000 retweets and then the correction might get like 2,000. Everyone sees the first story and they don't always see the correction, which might be put at the very bottom of the article like a day or two later, or it might be put out in the midst of several other social media posts where you don't really uh, notice it right away. Uh, That does seem like it's an actual strategy where even though they're discrediting themselves, a lot of people are still reading the first story and forming their opinion based on that. Right. Like, uh, um, you know, it's just uh, we'll put it out there, see if it gets traction, and if it's when it turns out that it's not correct, or if we get caught putting something out that's incorrect, then we'll just make our retraction and move on. But it's still out there, and right. people still remembered it. So anyway, it's uh, well, one example I actually saw yesterday was uh, that you know how all of the leftists were t- were saying that seventeen intelligence agencies agreed that President that the Russians, you know, hacked the election or what, what, however they decide to, to phrase that, uh, that was actually started by Hillary Clinton in the third presidential debate. She was the one who came up with the 17 intelligence agencies. And that fa- that supposed fact was run with for nine months before being thoroughly debunked. But for nine months, everyone said that, said it like it was absolutely true. Right. There was, of course, there's been a lot of uh, hubbub where there was about, the president's mental state. So he had his he had his uh, <clears throat> checkup, and it turned out he passed it with flying colors. So what do you think the headline is today? Well, is the doctor okay that did the report? <laughs> That's an actual headline. <laughs> did, did you see that they asked him 80 questions whenever he was being briefed about it? Like, he said his statement, and they asked him 80 questions trying to pry for any hint of maybe he has signs of heart disease or dementia, anything they could get. They asked 80 questions about that. They kept on looking for some cracks so that they could 
maybe at least claim that something they had said about it was true. That's amazing. Amazing, amazing, amazing. So just uh, back and forth there. Uh, here is a, uh, a note that's, I guess, not good about the U.S. <clears throat> Bloomberg has this. It's about U.S. US tourism. And uh, the United States is one of only two main nations that has seen a drop in uh, uh, people coming here uh, <laughs> legally <laughs> for a vacation. <laughs> uh, and uh, the only other nation is Turkey. Yeah, since 2015, the United States has seen a 6% decrease in uh, people coming over to visit. Turkey has seen a 6.7% decrease. Everybody else has seen an increase. Um, and so Canada's got 21% increase, so good for Canada. People are going to visit there and other places. Uh, South Africa's got a 20% increase. Australia has a 22% increase, so they're all increasing with the uh, destination, being a destination for tourism, but the U.S. is down a little bit there, so I don't know. Not sure why that is. Could be because of a... Could be because of the cities, could be because of a few other things. But again, that's from 2015, so you can't pin it all on the current administration. Very true. And you have to think about maybe if some of these people who have traveled a lot in the past, maybe they've already been to America. And so it's also possible that they could have chosen a different destination the next time around. Yeah, and you can't you can't ignore the violence in the cities. I mean, uh, I was trying to think. I remember a while ago there was an actual travel warning for people coming into the U.S., and I think it was to stay out of some of the cities mm -hmm. because of the violence. So, you know, if you're coming from another country and you want to visit, you, you probably would want to visit a major city because that's where the attractions are. <clears throat> but you also, if you, you know, read the news reports, you know that there's high crime. So would you go to Chicago? Uh, you certainly wouldn't go to Baltimore. So, uh, you know, so there are areas where I could see people saying, you know what, I, I'm going to go somewhere else where there's uh, less crime. Especially being a tourist, you'd be kind of a... You know, people might know that and that you're traveling with money and things. So I, w I wonder if uh, the, the city uh, violence it plays a big part in that. It probably does because even even right now I'm trying to think of all the other nations, big cities, and which nation might have as many dangerous big cities as we do. I mean, it's probably none of them. I mean, that's just the sad reality right now. And then, of course, some nations you just nobody goes to. So I don't think... You know, so they didn't show every single nation. I, I have a hard time believing that Iran has a lot of tourism. <laughs> True. <laughs> or, or North Korea or something like that. But So anyway, that's the U.S. Also, uh, since 2015, uh, they showed the uh, where people would be coming to the U.S. from and those which numbers are down. Uh, the United Kingdom, they've seen a 14% uh, decrease, people from the United Kingdom coming to the United States. Brazil, 25%. They just can't afford it. Uh, <laughs> France, 21%, and a few others in there. Germany, 15% less. So uh, anyway, kind of interesting to look at that. If you do travel a lot and you fly, you uh, like to be on time, I'm assuming. And here are the airlines actually that have the uh, that they're the most punctual. And uh, none of them are ones that I would fly on because <laughs> they're not around here, I don't think. Uh, Valeris, 82% of the time, they're on time. I don't know where Valeris flies, but... I don't either. Uh, Cutter Airlines, 82% of the time. Uh, Transavia, 84% of the time they're on time. Japan Airlines, 85% of the time. Hawaiian Airlines, 87% of the time. Yeah, Hawaiian Airlines does pretty well, from what I've read. And the, the most timely uh, airline is Air Baltic. 90% of departures and arrivals were on time, so good for them. If you can uh, get on those planes, I don't know. It just depends on where you're flying, I guess. 
but I haven't. I've not been on any of those. Probably a lot of those uh, flights that are late just have to do with, um, you know, like a blizzard in, in the the destination or in the place where you're leaving from. Uh, but sometimes certain airlines get a reputation for, you know, maybe the plane's not full yet, so they'll say there's a mechanical problem and they'll delay the f- the flight like that until maybe they can get some more people on board in the last at the last second, and that that type of thing does certainly alienate a, a lot of passengers i i also saw there was a a plane going from denver to hawaii the other day and they had some issue with the restroom and so like halfway into the trip they flew all the way back mm. and i couldn't figure out why they wouldn't just finish the flight if they were already halfway there they were already out over the pacific ocean wow yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, because you're going the same distance. Right. Why wouldn't you just keep going? You're, you're going to not enjoy that situation either way, but at least you're going to be in your destination and not waste like another day, pretty much. Can you imagine the groans from the people oh, on the plane? Yeah. Oh no. Yeah, that would be that would be very very disappointing. So uh, flying's been. I think it is getting tougher in the U.S. It's just a little more of a hassle. It seems like, and. Uh, from my experiences flying, I, w- I would actually love to sort of be in on the, like the meetings to determine how to make it go better. It seems like there there's a way that's more systematic to get people in and out. And actually, I've read that they people will study ants and things like that where they they do know how to get in and out of places very quickly, and they kind of watch them and try to figure out. That's which is in a way it's a biblical principle. Mm-hmm. You know, go to the ant <laughs> for work ethic. Anyway, I don't know about airport traffic, but they they do study those things to try to clear up traffic jams and airports and things seems like there's got to be a better way there really does because it takes like an hour to board a lot of planes where when i mean if you only have a couple hundred people why should it take that long for for people to sit down and it does it i try to even watch it sometimes if i'm one of the first people on and i just can't figure out why it takes as long as it does all you'd have to do is get your tickets scanned put your luggage in the overhead or under your seat and it should be done in a matter of minutes, I would think, but it usually takes about 45 minutes. got to start. I would just board it from the back to the front. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you're in you know, group one or two. Just get on the plane, yeah. <laughs> back to front, and let's get out of here. That probably should be the way it's done. Just don't even bother with people picking seats. Just have them all go in. Whoever gets to the line first gets, sits in the very back, basically. And you put your And you put your bags above your seat or below it. Yeah, don't don't it put it in another one somewhere <laughs> else. Just get it going. <laughs> so, anyway, yeah, you can tell my I uh, I uh, have low patience for some of those things because somebody you know somebody will get on and you just watch them. They're trying to figure out how to put the bag inside the thing. And mm-hmm. It just takes time. Uh, there's a note here from the com in case you uh, like to go to the movies occasionally. You're going to spend more money, by the way. $8.93. That's a 4% rise in ticket prices, hmm. even though theater attendance is at a 24-year low. But they're raising their prices, I guess, maybe to make the difference up or try to. But uh, if, you, if you're if you taking a family and you're going to the movies, you're easily going to spend $50, $60, $70 very easily. Very true. And, and I've noticed even just the ones around here, they've all gone up like the the four that I usually go to around here. They've all gone up in price pretty substantially when probably a better idea is just to lower the concession prices. I mean, that if you just have a low ticket price for the movie and then you make the concessions more reasonable, probably more people are going to want to come. 
I think everything that is served at movie concessions is made out of the same like two ingredients. <laughs> it's just formed differently. You know, popcorn, milk duds, eh, it's all the same thing. It's all salt and sugar. <laughs> salt basically. and sugar, some fat, throw it together, make it a, make it a drink. Uh, th- this is a really neat story. Um, uh, drones, of course, are being used for a variety of things, some good, some bad, but this is a really good idea. A drone saves Australian teen swimmers in world's first rescue mission with an unmanned aircraft. A drone came to two Australian teenage boys' rescue on Thursday when they were caught in a dangerous in dangerous waves, the world's first rescue there by that unmanned uh, aircraft. A bystander alerted lifeguards after seeing two teens, they were 15 and, are 15 and 17, struggling to stay afloat in heavy surf off the coast of Lennox Head in New South Wales. Lifeguard supervisor Jai Sheridan spotted the swimmers about 2,300 feet offshore and launched the drone hours after the device was taken out of the box. So they had just gotten this thing. He said, I was able to fly it, fly it uh, to the location and drop off, drop the pod and all in about two minutes. On a normal day, that would have taken our lifeguards a few minutes longer to reach the members of the public. Uh, the teens clutched onto the inflatable rescue pod and swam back to shore, being, of course, exhausted, but fine beyond that. The teens were rescued in 70 seconds with the drone, while a lifeguard would have taken up to six minutes to complete the rescue. So they dropped off an inflatable pod. Teens grabbed it and kicked back into shore. Pretty neat. That's amazing. Yeah, it, do, it does show you that there is a, a, a positive use or two from the drones that we've we've clearly been skeptical of those before, just because of um, the different capabilities that it does have, and 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 possibly the things that could go wrong with it. But here's a situation that uh, clearly it it can do some some pretty good things. Whenever you're out on the beach, uh, in California, probably any of the beach areas, they fly the helicopters over pretty often because they're just looking, make sure everybody's okay. I wonder if they can start doing that with drones now instead, uh, if that would be a good way to do it. Uh, they, you know, whenever you see something changing with technology, it does start to change jobs and things. And I have wondered about, like, uh, helicopter pilots and so forth. There still is a need for them, for sure, but... The more drones you get up there, maybe you don't need them as much. So that might be a changing, changing career as well. What a bummer! Because that that sounds like one of the most fun jobs, <clears throat> flying a helicopter along the coast like that. That would be pretty enjoyable, I would think. Yeah, <laughs> just looking down there, I guess, and making sure everybody's all right. Looking for sharks. There was actually a video the other day of this kid. I forget where he was, somewhere on one of the coasts, and he was uh, swimming. And uh, when they flew over and they had the footage of it, there was uh, all, several sharks not that far away from him. He had no idea. So they called down to him, like, get out of there. And he did. He was okay. Oh. But, you know, you don't know. You're just playing in the water. You don't know what's under the water a ways back. And in this case, they saw it from the air. So they have to keep an eye on those things, too. Yeah. Thankfully, sharks do not always attack. But I don't know why they don't, because there's always clueless people around them where they could they could easily take advantage it's pretty much only if there's blood i guess but i mean that that doesn't make a lot of sense like i couldn't imagine us you know seeing a meal sitting right in front of us and not taking advantage of that <laughs> maybe they were full they don't want probably anymore. were i guess yeah it's hard to say here's a couple other notes that are interesting uh we were talking about this the other day off the air but uh you know when it comes to uh pop music you only use, what, maybe three chords in a song, four chords. It's pretty pretty <laughs> systematic. And so inevitably, music sounds the same. And there's been some news about that. Some uh, songs, some artists are being sued for <laughs> copying other people's music. Uh, Taylor Swift was recently sued uh, for her song Shake It Off, if you're familiar with that. 
apparently, well, she was sued, they said, by uh, 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 a similarity to a song called, uh, uh, <laughs> well, I won't even read the title. It's just a weird title. <laughs> but anyway, she got sued for that. Uh, and then uh, Ed Sheeran, who's a pretty popular songwriter, he's been sued multiple times for <laughs> writing songs that I guess are identical. He got sued for, quote unquote, verbatim note for note copying for one of his songs and <laughs> lost that one. And then uh, there's been a few others. So I just think it's interesting because uh, it's pop music. I mean, it's kind of a limited palette you're working with there and a couple of chords and <laughs> chorus verse. I mean, you know, <laughs> eventually you think it's going to sound similar, but apparently, you know, if you if you've written it, you can sue and you can win. And in some cases, uh, $20 million or more. Oh, wow. That's that's pretty pretty devastating for a singer to lose that much money off of something like that or the record label or whoever has to pay that up but there was a skit where they had a guy that was a professional musician sewer that was his whole job (laughs) so basically you could go you could go to a guy that guy with like two or three notes strung together and he'd find a way to win a court case and that's basically the extent of what it is i mean there's a limited array of ways that you could put notes together to form form a song and so it's pretty easy to just i guess accuse anyone of plagiarism after a while it's nothing new under the sun right that's right. what uh solomon said so it's true i mean it's a it's all sort of similar but so anyway there's been some lawsuits there and, and then i think it probably diminishes their credibility as a songwriter and it probably would get in your head too like did, did i hear this before somewhere you know how it is. I mean, we all hear music, and we can you hum a tune. Sometimes you can't remember where you heard it, but it's it's uh, it's easy enough for that to happen all the time. And then you like you start thinking, did I just make that brilliant bit of music up, or was was that something I heard <laughs> ten or fifteen years ago? It, it is hard to go through all the songs that have ever been made in history and make sure that your song doesn't sound like any of them. Yeah. Yep. That's for sure. Uh, one other uh, note here. Uh, for Walmart, they were sued recently. They allegedly were misleading U.S. customers by selling eggs with labels, falsely stating they came from hens with outdoor access. <laughs> Pe- people are, you know, concerned about whether their uh, their chickens are roaming <laughs> before they lay eggs because, I guess, of the health benefits there. So uh, there's lots of things on labels that are kind of hard to pin down, you know, what makes something organic, what makes it range range what do they call it range free chick free range range. yeah free range chickens so this these had outdoor access i don't you know well that could mean a lot of things like well there was one small door you know no way they're going to get there but it is outdoor access so i I don't know how they would have figured like who who looked into it to figure out that that wasn't correct but anyway (laughs) when you're buying your eggs and your produce and so forth you have to i guess uh just be careful it may not the label may not be accurate. <laughs> well, there are people who do care a whole lot about that. That's There's another skit about that that I saw where they literally got up from the table and they spent the entire day traveling to the farm and checking out. I think they ended up being there forever pretty much, but they they just had to check out exactly what environment the chicken came from, from before they would eat it. And it's just... Uh, something that I could never relate to. I don't care about that kind of thing. Well, some people, you know, I guess <laughs> if you've got your own chickens and stuff, you know where they came from or where they where they went to. But it is true that they, um, you know, the more they kind of uh, make it into an industry, you know, they cram a lot of them into these different buildings. It's probably not the best. but True. I mean, there are some pretty nightmarish facilities where they do that with cows too, um, probably a lot of different animals. And so um, probably people even just even just from a principled 
standpoint wouldn't want to support an enterprise like that, even if they didn't notice much of a difference in taste. Well, it's funny because, uh, you know, humanly, we don't, we don't, uh, we're not uh, free range as much as we used to be either. That's true. <laughs> we do have technically out- outdoor access in most cases. Not as delicious as we used to be. <laughs> very rarely do we go outside, and at least uh, in a lot of cases. Uh, you're listening to Trump Radio Live here on 101.3 KPCG. Make sure you check out thetrumpet.com today. The top story is uh, more Germans turning to left and right-wing extremism. That could be, actually be a chicken tie-in, uh, <laughs> left and right wing. But uh, sorry, just just came to me. Brilliant. Uh, I love it. No, but this, this is a serious story. A toxic mixture is uh, simmering in Germany, one that has previously boiled over into fascism. So there's uh, there's uh, definitely some uh, conflict over there. Uh, here's another story that's great at thetrumpet.com by uh, Dennis Leap. It's Ditch Your New Year's Resolutions Day. That was uh, January the 17th. It's an actual day every year where people just say, ah, forget that New Year's resolution. It's time to get on with, uh, you know, doing whatever I want to do. But as he points out, you should dump your New Year's resolution and then uh, get busy with some personal growth instead. Don't need the New Year's resolution. Just need to work on personal growth all the time. All the time, exactly. It doesn't. It's not a matter of spending the first two weeks of the year doing it. It has to be a constant process. And why would you ever stop trying to make improvements? A lot of... A lot of New Year's resolutions that you hear about, they're about usually more trivial things or or they're just impossible. Like people say, I'm not going to eat any chocolate for the entire year. Really? Did you think that one through <laughs> or did you have a couple drinks before deciding that one? That that might not be even a realistic goal to set. Yeah, the uh, there's always a tendency to be in the extremes, you know. I'm if if you know, you want to lose some weight, it's easy to say, I'll eat nothing but you know, this for an entire year <laughs> where it just gets to be a little bit out of whack. But really, anytime you read anything, I think that is sort of founded in some good understanding about health uh, or it could be anything in life. But health, uh, it's about a balanced lifestyle and making a change to your lifestyle and then, then keeping with it and uh, not going on a diet per se, but changing your diet to where, well, this is just the way I live now. And then, you know, if losing weight or whatever, it takes time. I think everybody likes the the biggest loser sort of mentality of they lost 40 pounds this week. <laughs> it's not normal. <laughs> you shouldn't be doing that. And those people have a lot of problems later, too. So, yeah, it is about uh, continuing to work on uh, personal growth and not just the, the wild resolution that probably can't stick with. And especially when you consider some of the, the wilder resolutions, um, anytime you want to do something – uh, to an extreme, it's usually better in a really short burst. Like to do something to the extreme for an entire year would probably end up being really damaging, whether that's about your health or or any other part of your daily schedule. If it's to an absolute extreme, it's usually not the best thing. But if you're trying to go like a couple weeks without technology, that might be a good thing. If you're trying to go a month on a cleanse, that's that's usually a good way to reset somebody's health if they're feeling down but it's not for a whole year that's those are not usually the best thought out plans and you have to be careful too on what you know where you go to get the idea of what a healthy lifestyle would be i saw a write-up the other day i just thought was just really shocking in a way but in a way not because of the world we live in but they were talking about people that had a particular addiction to something i'm not going to get into what it was but anyway they uh and it's something nobody should be involved with 
But they they said, well, now the person has gotten help to where they only indulge in this activity occasionally as part of a healthy lifestyle. It's never part of a healthy lifestyle. It's not okay to occasionally break the law. But that's the way, that's what's being presented now with a lot of these things because uh, people have become so immoral that it's now, well, it's okay as long as you don't do it too much. And so you have to be careful when you're looking at what the experts, quote unquote, say is a healthy lifestyle. You know, it better square with the Bible. Exactly. And that's actually a really good point to add in here because a lot of New Year's resolutions are extreme about whether, like I said, it's eating chocolate or whatever it is. And those are things that are not bad to do once in a while. But there are some activities where you have to completely cut them out because they're they're perverted or they're they're lawless and I mean, even just marijuana, is that something that's okay to do once in a while or should that be cut out entirely? It is important to know which things are okay to mix in and which things just need to be totally eliminated. Yeah, and there's a great write-up also about marijuana on thetrumpet.com as well. So lots of great uh, articles there today to check out if you get a moment to do so. Also, the Trumpet Daily Radio Show today, Richard Palmer uh, filling in for Stephen Flurry. Talking a lot about Europe, what's going on over there in Europe, and uh, of course they're right there, so they have a really good uh, look at what's happening. And uh, related to Europe, this is a write-up from uh, the AFP, Angela Merkel and her Austrian counterpart Sebastian Kurz clashed recently over immigration in their first meeting uh, with seasoned German Chancellor saying, Vienna's resistance to sharing out refugees across the block was wrong. You need to take more refugees. Kurtz, who's 31, is the world's youngest leader after forming a government with the far right last month, said following talks with Merkel that the debate about mandatory migrant quotas took up too much space. He said, I'm convinced that the solution to the migrant problem lies with decent border protection and stronger help in countries of origin. I think that's that's actually pretty logical. Yeah. Tighten up your border and try to solve the problem back on where the migrants are coming from. It's not about everybody taking on more and more migrants. So this is a battle between, I don't know if it's between Germany and, and say, Austria or other nations, but it's an Angela Merkel battle and her government. But uh, who knows how long she'll last because it's just not a popular thing to say that, well, everyone's got to take on all these migrants. And then you look at, you know, what they do. Uh, in a lot of cases, it's, it's uh, not very appealing to any of those European countries to take these refugees. Yeah, Angela Merkel is uncharacteristically liberal in this one area about immigration. And uh, especially when she gets to the point of imposing that across the entire European Union, a lot of nations are electing leaders that uh, will try to have more say in each of their nations where, you know, Germany can't decide what Austria or Hungary does within its own borders regarding the refugees. That should be a nation uh, wide issue, not not a continent wide issue. Uh, that's that's like the definition of what a nation is. It should be able to control who lives within its borders and who doesn't. And if and if it doesn't, well, then it's not a nation anymore. That's kind of the point of the European Union, though, and that's why Angela Merkel keeps pushing ahead. It's all great as long as Germany is in control of these types of quotas and these types of regulations. That's what you see. Is they are pushing their weight around there. You can see who the boss is. But it'll be interesting to see how she does. It's Obviously, that's a bit shaky. And people over there are so sick of her ruling that they have voted. That's why they've been voting so far left and so far right. They want 
to do anything they can to shake her grip on power because it seems like no matter who they vote for, somehow she's able to form this coalition that keeps her in power. Um, and the only way to keep her out of power is to vote so far to the extreme that the mainstream parties that Angela Merkel's working with will not even work with those extreme parties. It's uh, definitely a changing landscape over there. Uh, this is an interesting number in relation to Europe. The total number of migrants that reached Europe by sea in 2017 is 171,635. That's more than twice as many that, ma that made the journey in 2016. So, the you know, you can't keep having those type of uh, numbers coming in there. And, of course, you know, if anybody's been in Europe or looked at a map, uh, they're smaller countries. It's not it's not like the U.S. where there is more space. Uh, so this, this is impacting them uh, a great deal, and that's just by sea. So I imagine they come other ways as well, but sea is, is one way, and that's a dangerous journey. A lot of them, you know, have problems there, but 171,635, those are the ones they know about. Yeah, I suppose there could be some they don't know about. So anyway, uh, Europe's going to have some uh, changes there uh, because they can't keep dealing with that uh, that immigration. And yeah, and thousands of them die trying to make the journey, and other thousands of them have to get rescued by European coast guards. So it is, it is even just from that standpoint, the loss of life that should show. Merkel and these other leaders that they do need to solve the problem at the source. The people are dying trying to escape these areas or just leave these areas because they're not great nations. Why not try to fix those nations so that people don't don't die trying to illegally cross the Mediterranean Sea? If you do care about human life in general, that's the way to to approach it. And even and even just from the standpoint of European nation resources, their coast guards are going are having to spend time rescuing these people and taking them in maybe send those drones out there yeah that would actually might not be a bad idea um this is uh if you if you looked at the headlines today one of the big ones is that the uh, unemployment is way down in the u.s jobs are on the rise at least for now it's a sort of a temporary boost at least cnn has this american businesses big and small increasingly have the same problem they can't find workers the job market is so hot that employers are struggling to handle the consequences. A Federal Reserve survey released Wednesday found labor shortages all over the country, and more businesses said that they had no choice but to pay more to attract and keep the workers they want, a sign that wage growth may finally be picking up. So it's interesting because when, when we have lots of jobs out there, and I think there always are jobs available. I mean, if you go and you look at any hiring website or even the old-fashioned paper, you always see jobs. Now, it may not be the best you know, job. They don't usually advertise there for CEO of a Fortune 500 company. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of jobs that are out there. And now they find there's not enough people to do it. Of course, when you also look at uh, the numbers, there's a lot of uh, men in particular of working age that don't want to work in the U.S. So if a person is willing to work, there's a good chance they can be successful. There's a write-up from uh, PCOG.org. A solid work ethic. Some have it, some sadly don't. So we want to take a look at this topic today of a solid work ethic. If Now's the time. The market's hot. If you're willing to get out there and work, you can probably uh, get a pretty good job. Right. And if you just look at those uh, those men who are refusing to work, these are either strong young men or potentially strong men who in, are in their 20s or 30s and 
have the opportunity to live at home, possibly uh, take in welfare benefits despite not needing them in any way. I mean, there are so many reasons to cut the welfare state, but that's one of them. Just just when businesses can't find people to work, and that does uh, even create some sort of an incentive for illegals to come here because they know they'll have jobs that they'll be able to fill. Uh, it just shows that you know, bad work ethic is, is at the heart of a lot of these problems. All the debt that we have from welfare, uh, the illegal immigration crisis that this country is facing. What if everyone wanted to work and all these jobs were filled by Americans? I have a great idea, actually, for because a lot of the people that don't want to work, a lot of times they're very much into video games and other things. What if you gave them one of these virtual reality headsets and told them they're going to play a new game? It's very exciting, <laughs> and they're going to say um, any whatever the job is. They're going to unpack a truck, or they're right. gonna, and, and but tell them that the, it's a game, and all it is actually is a pair of goggles you can see through. <laughs> but tell them it's like first person. It looks very real. You'll interact with others. You'll have to actually move things. So you, it's like a Wii workout as well, <laughs> and uh, they'd probably take to it and not realize that they're actually at the job. Mm. And tell think, them, you know, it's a great game. It's a lot of fun. You get paid for it, <laughs> right? That that's uh that's kind of how this one this one show is joking about pretending it's an exercise program, and you 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 basically you load and unload trucks that are moving people's belongings from one house to another, and all these people are signing up for it and basically paying to <laughs> unload these trucks. So that they weren't even getting paid. It wasn't even their job. They were just tricked into thinking it was a workout program, extreme workout. And you're just working for a moving company. Uh, Since a good number of our failures occur because we are not willing to expend the amount of pure effort required to succeed. And there's a couple of scriptures that are given in this write up. Proverbs 21, 25 talks about the desire of a slothful man or of the slothful kills him and for his hands refuse to labor. That's a great one for, say, if somebody's in that situation where they they don't want to work, they'd rather play games or whatever. Well, what's the desire? It's to play the games. Well, that that ends up being kind of a killer in a lot of ways. Uh, Proverbs fourteen twenty three: In all labor there is profit, but the talk of the lips tends only to penury. And Ecclesiastes ten eighteen also talks about the uh, slothfulness. Slothfulness uh, just creates decay, and idleness, uh, you know, just destroys things. Things fall apart. The bottom line it says in achieving almost anything, whether it's developing a talent, uh, performing a job well, building a good character trait, no matter what it is, it requires work. The dirty word, right? Work. (laughs) But that's true. And no matter what it is, if it's just personal uh, betterment, if it's, uh, like I said, developing a talent, doing well in the job, you can't get away from that inescapable truth that you actually have to put forth effort. That's that's exactly uh, at the heart of the issue. And uh, all these all these people who maybe think that from the outside, it, it seems pleasant to just spend your day playing video games or watching TV or ha- not having a job and then just being able to do whatever you want, uh, they pretty quickly realize that no matter how many video games they play, there's always this n- nagging sense that they're being left unfulfilled. There's something they could be doing or accomplishing. There's no there's no obviously pride in what they're doing because it's just video games. It's not something that anyone else is benefiting from and so they they miss out on um serving society serving families which is uh, god created these needs within us like to actually do things that don't just benefit our own lives but benefit others 
that video games are not getting that done and and people who are doing those things at least in the back of their minds know that wow i i really am not experiencing life to the fullest and most abundant like i should yeah it's interesting as it as it points out here as well that you know just the fact that no matter what it is it, it does take effort i a uh, couple years back sorry i have to bring this up i know it's sensitive for you grant but <laughs> Back when Kevin Durant played oh. basketball here in Oklahoma City, he he put on a basketball camp. So I took my son to it a couple of times, and uh, you know it's mainly so you can meet him. But they played basketball too, and so they asked the kids, uh, "What do you want to do when you grow up?" And almost all of them said either they wanted to be a professional athlete or they wanted to be a, a musician or some, some entertainment based field. And the thing about that is, is, first of all, that's very hard to get into, obviously. You have to have an extreme talent and ability and be really tall in some cases. But also, it takes a lot of work. These guys or girls or whoever's out there doing those things, they don't just roll off the couch and do it. I mean, and I looked at those young kids and I thought, do you, do you really have the work ethic to do that? I mean, you say you want to do it because you think it's fun. But even in something like that, the amount of work that is put in, the amount of effort that is expended is more than most people can even fathom. Yeah, those are the types of careers that appear glamorous, but we don't see the many, many years of extreme effort that goes into even getting to that level of talent. That's Those are actually the fields that are the hardest to get into, basically, even though even though you wouldn't think of them as like the most uh, labor-intensive, difficult jobs in the world. They still are the hardest ones to get into. That's why they have such a huge reward. That's why they get rich. That's why they get all these other physical accolades and benefits because it was extremely difficult to do that there's a a video i watched the other day of this uh, young fellow that's uh he's a high school basketball player and he's going to uh, play at a big college and uh so nowadays a lot of times there's they have videos they follow these guys around and stuff and they're kind of known uh on the internet but it was really interesting because he was having a conversation on the phone with his one of the coaches he's going to be playing for at this college this is a really top-level high school player and, and everything. And, and the coach said, okay, uh, you know, I know you're enjoying your senior year in high school. He's like, but you got to get busy. you got to get to work. Now, keep in mind, this guy already practices twice a day. And then some. He said, you got to get serious. It's time to get serious. He said, you have to be so fit that when you come here, your resting heart rate is 30 beats per minute. That means you can be completely exhausted and recover fully after one free throw. That's a, that's a game, Right. But you look at the amount of effort for, for anybody that would say, well, I want to be a you know, professional athlete or whatever it is. You, you're never going to get there or whatever it is in life without a lot of effort, intense effort. Think about, think about the types of workouts you would have to do to get to a resting heart rate of 30 beats per minute. That's not pleasant, and it probably is excruciating at a lot of, the time, a lot of those times. Uh, but that's just the effort that, that goes into it, even to play at the college level. Um, where you don't get paid to do it. That's not even your career yet. Uh, it's even a, a lot harder than that to play it on the professional level anywhere in the world, not just the NBA. It, it all requires effort. This write-up uh, says, for all of us, succeeding at anything is simply a matter of work, persistence, and good old-fashioned hard work. You know, we, we won't all reach the same levels. It depends on what we, you know, our abilities are. But uh, we, can, we can reach some level of success by uh, working hard, and it points out that work is good. <laughs> it's a good thing. We need to find pleasure in our work because we spend more time working than doing anything else in our lives. Uh, hopefully. 
that we should be. So yeah, you do have to find pleasure in your work, even jobs that aren't a lot of fun to do. Some of those jobs maybe you have early in life, or I suppose any time in life. I, I had a few of those. I did not like them, but I tell you, it was the best feeling in the world going home from them, being tired physically, putting in a good day's work. I know I'm going to get paid. Uh, and then free time was a lot more fun. When you've been working, free time becomes a lot more fun than if you just have nothing but free time. That's that's so true. I mean, even even when I was doing a lot of um, landscaping, I had a few different landscaping jobs and and um, even just at a pizza place where you just make the pizzas for this buffet line. And it's not like the most mentally stimulating type work, but you can challenge yourself to see how much you could produce in one day, like how much of how, how much you could actually mow and weed eat, like how many lawns in particular, or like how many pizzas you could put out or how, how fast you could do each one. And then on top of that, of course you get the chance to think their thinking is a, a rare skill today that, um, it, we don't usually stop to do that if we're doing something, something else, especially in our free time. So, uh, there are a lot of benefits to work and, and even just, feeling really physically tired at the end of the day you know that you accomplished something something good happened and that's a feeling you can only get by working hard throughout the day yeah this is again this is a write-up from pcog.org a solid work ethic it's a really great one to read a couple other uh, points from it it points out the fact that god is a worker that's the example we're looking to john 5 talks about christ said uh, my father works and i work so both of them work um and, and they take pleasure in it. They enjoy it. Uh, Psalm 104 says that uh, the eternal rejoices in the works of his hands. And so they work as well. And so that's the example that we're looking to here. Not lazy. Uh, getting a lot done, accomplishing quite a bit. And uh, Proverbs 20 talks about not loving sleep. I mean, we all like to sleep. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but not, not <laughs> too, too much. It says, lest you come to poverty, open your eyes and you shall be satisfied with bread. So in other words, if you want to eat, you better get to work. We are in a society where sometimes people don't have to work and they eat too much probably. <laughs> That's true. Uh, it is important to realize that, you know, what we do in this life or the value of our life comes down to what we produce, what we do. And that's, that's how you measure um, what exactly you did while on this earth. And there is a, there does come a time when the physical life ends and we all want to be able to look back at the end and realize that uh, we we did as much as we could. We had as much urgency as possible. Uh, we impacted people's lives in a positive way as much as we could. Uh, and a lot of that does come down to just working hard. Working hard, even even on relationships, is is another aspect of that. I mean, it working hard doesn't just get down to our job, but every aspect of life. It does take effort to do any any part of life well. Yeah, it's a great point about, obviously, we only have so much time to work. Uh, Revelation 22, Christ says that he's coming quickly, and he says, my reward is with me to give every man according to, uh, or as his work shall be. So there's going to be a record of, well, what did you do? Uh, how how productive uh, were you? And uh, so it's good to think about that. Uh, hard work does equal success, and uh, that's an important uh, point to look at. And uh, so we're in a situation here in the U.S. where the job market's very hot right now. They can't find enough uh, workers, as it says there on CNN. So uh, if ever there was a time to really have a good work ethic, now it's that time. That's what makes people stand out. 
uh, at jobs. I mean, uh, no matter what else you have going for you or might be a hindrance, if you're a hard worker, uh, people notice that. They want those people around. Employers want those uh, types of uh, employees. That's true, and the day goes by faster if you're working hard. Uh, Sometimes the inclination is to just kind of pick around and and putz around, but that just makes the the day go on for eternity. It feels like when when we're not putting our heads down and and working. So we do stand out, and we also – basically make sure that the day flies by i mean that's that's what you want to feel from working like wow i feel like i just started but here we are at the end of the day that was actually more enjoyable than i thought just because i put my head down and did it yeah yeah for sure uh the write-ups at pcog.org you can check out the whole thing a solid work ethic and there's also more write-ups uh related to that at pcog.org there so a really good uh really good note especially as a there are those jobs that are out there. That's all the time we have for today here on uh, Trumpet Radio Live. Thanks for joining us on this uh, Thursday edition. Make sure this for the Key of David program. Also, the Trumpet Daily Radio Show are coming up. For Grant Turgeon and myself, Dwight Falk, have a great rest of your day. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Trumpet Radio, 101.3 KPCG.